Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Welcome to the AEW Rampage Review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by one of the Dudley Boys, Michael Sidgwick from What Culture, to review everything that happened on Friday night's episode of This Is Rampage, baby. <laughs> but before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts where we not only review AEW Rampage, but also AEW Dynamite, Raw, SmackDown, NXT, Dubai. Oh, baby, use premium live events. We have interviews, roundtable discussions and a round of the week completes with a bigger quiz of course on wrestle culture as i said though joined by michael sidgwick to review the rampage baby this is rampage <laughs> once again to the jake 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 yeah, yeah jake 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 uh for creators that um, so what did you make of this week's rampage baby I really enjoyed it. I thought some of the wrestling was very good and some of the wrestling I didn't expect to be very good was really good. Still not that I need to talk about this. I'm desperate to burst into the podcast studio or I'm desperate to unleash takes online. It still feels, and yeah, it might be the taped thing. It might be the fact that they're trying to stack dynamite as a strategic thing, knowing that rights fees and rights fee negotiations around the corner and you know that you have to kind of, if you don't want to get annihilated, by the NBA, if you want to do okay, respectable numbers against the NBA, you kind of have to do these things with Dynamite. Rampage is just there. Even when it's very good, it's still there. I've got a take, and I, I did tweet it, oh. but the mega fans will forgive hey. me. There's a problem with each show, and it's becoming a... It's On one part, it's a luxury on Wednesdays, it's like a selection headache. I'd say selection headache. Yeah. If you get like Messi, Ronaldo, actually, this is years ago. If you had Haaland, Mbappe, uh, who's the other best strikers in the world right now? Um, Kabongo Shimanga. Yeah. So if you had Kabongo Shimanga, <laughs> um, Chesterfield striker for those unaware. Mbappe, Haaland, Neymar, people like that. Yeah. If you had like five of them, you'd think. Oh, Christ, we can't really have a team that's got all of them in. Tony Khan would just play, right, okay, let's play 416. <laughs> Not 3-1-6, that could be a uh, formation. But to go back to wrestling, right, surely the problem, sorry, the solution to the problem is easy. Ram Dynamite is rushed. They have 
genuinely, this is an under-mentioned problem that most every dynamite is quite badly rushed. And the worrying thing is that this has been the case still three years later. And Excalibur would not have to do his genuinely funny, not ideal, but kind of endearing auctioneer voice. It killed me on this episode of Rampage. It's ridiculous. You shouldn't have to be doing this. It's one of those things where it's like, if you just paced your shows that little bit better, you wouldn't have to do this. He could just calmly, to the point where you actually realize what's going on, I sometimes think, oh, what matches on Dynamite this week? I never used to think that. No. I used to love that penultimate quarter hour so much because he could just, in a more relaxed way than he does now, say, this is what's coming up. Like, oh, this and that and this as well. And now it's what? <laughs> uh, what? Yeah, not to skip ahead. When? The bit on this week's show where, I mean, it's an incredible, uh, credit to him, incredible exercise in spinning plates because, uh, well, at the time of, the, the show, Double or Nothing was away. Yeah. <laughs> so he had to big up the fact it's Double or Nothing week, sell what's on Dynamite. I, he might have mentioned something that was going down on Rampage next week and shill all the matches for Double or Nothing and um, was interrupted or was there was a cut in from Jay Cargill to announce another match for Double or Nothing. And I was just like... <laughs> I was like, this is incredible. It's incredible and it's impressive and it is quite endearing, but you should not have to be doing this no, because no, no, the no. byproduct is genuinely over the past month where this has gotten a little bit out of control. Like, I can't remember certain matches that happened in Dynamite. I never get caught. I never get caught in 4K. Is that what they say? <laughs> I think so. Or caught sleeping. And I, I usually go, right, okay, boom. I can't wait for Dynamite. Increasingly, I when you say what's on Dynamite this week, when we're preparing podcast notes, I'll go, um, well, there's this, there's this, and what else? And I have to check because they don't give you enough time to register yeah. what's going to happen next week. Right, so... Excalibur's auctioneer voice is a byproduct of a rush show because there is so much on it, some of which is redundant as well, but that's kind of by the by. There is so much on it that in order to get the main event to the length it should be, which last week's absolutely wasn't, by the way, <laughs> he has to rattle, 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 rattle through this like a carnival barker. That's Wednesdays. That's a Wednesday problem. On Friday, it's like, oh, it's a good 7 out of 10, but I don't really feel like watching it the second I wake up if I'm in the UK mm. or staying up if I'm in the US or saying, oh, come on Saturday, I'm watching this baby <laughs> on Friday. Sometimes I go on Twitter. Never used to do this with an AEW show and I never do on a Thursday. Go on Twitter just because I just like to know that world isn't completely incinerated. We know it's on fire. <laughs> yeah, that used always. to be the thing you would say. I was the world on fire. No, in the social media age, I feel like a lot of people are compelled to go on the news or go on Twitter straight away just to make sure nothing's booted off. I would never do that before watching, on delay, being from the UK, an AEW show. With Rampage, just go, right, whatever. I don't, I don't really care about the results getting spoiled. Yeah. I just want to see if the world has incinerated yet. It's too stacked for its own good on Wednesday. Pretty inessential. Good, but inessential. Doesn't have the same buzz on Friday. Is it not as simple, <laughs> right? Is laying out the shows as they normally do on a Wednesday and a Friday because it's all happening on the same night. Wednesday. Is it not as simple as thinking, right, this Wednesday show is so stacked 
that we are going to have a bad time timing it out. It's going to feel rushed. At least one thing on a less loaded show that would get over so much more can't possibly get over on this night because it's just simply too much going mm-hmm. on. It's not as simple as saying, right, okay, let's just book the shows as is, but this mid thing that doesn't necessarily need to be advanced, like, it was better than mid, but the Death Triangle squash on this week's Rampage. It was really fun. Was it necessary? No. Drop that entirely. Do the tombstone gimmick on Dynamite and get rid of the match. Take something on Dynamite that needed more time or needed to be sold more. Put it on Rampage instead. Mm. So you've got this, oh, that's on Dynamite. Instead you go, oh, that's on Rampage. And everything on Dynamite has got the potential to Mm. reach the heights that it has the potential to reach. Surely it's as simple as just swapping a segment out. How many times have we sat here on a Wednesday afternoon and and I've said, well, uh, Dadley, what stacked Dynamite we've got? And we go, yeah, it is. But there's that creeping fear of like, are they going to be able to get all of this in? Like, say they've got four matches announced and two big segments or whatever you like. I said last week watching Dynamite and it gets into the second hour and they did, they chucked out some random match. I can't remember what it was off the top of my head. And I was like, Okay, I see why you're doing this with the pape coming up. But I already know from my notes from a preview, you've got this match. You've got, you know, uh, Adam Cole versus Jeff Hardy. You've got another uh, Owen Hart tournament match. You've got Jericho and William Regal face to You've got another tag match or whatever. And I'm looking at my watch going, someone's not going to get enough time here because you're going to have something else that you've, you know, a promo or whatever. And then that's going to take dig into your time. Like you say, yeah. I think it's just, it, is, it seems really easy. It seems really obvious. Because like you say, you're not taking anything away from the crowds because they're seeing the same thing on the same night regardless. It just, uh, yeah, it's one of those, I always think back to, well, that's the end of Christopher Daniels' career. Anyway, on to the next thing. Yeah. And you're like, wait a second, what? Just let him have, because there was people in the Daily's Place at the time. Not many, but people. And you could have just did a little pan out or just let them, just let them say... Thank you, SCU, or yeah. thank you, Daniels. Da, da, da. <laughs> the, you know what the real problem is, right? AEW is the listening company to a degree, I've sort of realized, where if something gets rubbished in an arena, people crap all over a development or online after something. If the complaints are loud enough to the point where people might think differently of the company or the promotion or a star... They'll think, right, okay, change this. It's not working. The audience is telling us yeah, 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 yeah. it's not changing. So absolutely, let's change it because why wouldn't we want to make our customer base happy? It's really good. This is something that we've not really experienced in 20 years. <laughs> so it's still a bit of a shock. I was, it should be the normal course of business, yep. but it isn't. Right. The problem, and I've sort of used this take, but it's still applicable to the casino battle royales. Here's four guys at once. Uh, I can't compute this. I can't... No concentrate on no four different over. people who can concentrate on multiple things at once. The owner of AEW, the owner of Fulham, and the owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars, right? Not the owner of the second two, but you know what I mean. He's, yeah, yeah. he's still involved in the day-to-day runnings. Someone with three, well, four jobs now can concentrate very easily on four different people coming in. He needs to realize, Tony Khan, that not everyone has got his ability to... Concentrate on several different things at once. I'm not saying because I always get this. Don't go to the other extreme. No, 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 no. Don't make everything so 
slow and stilted and recap heavy. I'm not suggesting that for a minute. I'm saying that at times, WWE op, uh, AEW operates as the other extreme to WWE's yes. slow. Same thing all the time. Recap the same thing all the time. There's not even a happy middle ground. There's a happy AEW needs to calm down a tiny little bit. Yes. Tony Khan's energy is manic. His enthusiasm is incredible. There are stories that not only does he have three, now four, full-time jobs, but that he's a big party guy. He will get the white claws in. He'll say, who wants food? He has 8,000 tacos. <laughs> and he'll be like one of the last to leave the room. He's just a naturally, incredibly energetic, manic guy. This dynamite show operates within his rhythm at his energy levels, and it's clearly too much for his production team and the commentators and the wrestlers to meet him at that wavelength. Hence why, when all of this has happened, he's like, do it quicker, do it quicker, do it quicker. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. When it's one hour, 40 minutes deep, and you need the break, you need the entrances, you need the Excalibur, doing the next three cards worth of announcements, you get like nine minutes of the main event, and they're clearly having to keep these things short. His energy is not relatable to the energy of the human person, and he needs, the average human person, he needs to realize he's too manic for his own yeah. good. But See, it's, I'm not taking the piss No, I, I, you're He right. thinks that everyone's got the same energy levels he has. We don't. No. He needs to calm down, and someone needs to get Yeah, exactly. Gear. I was going to say, someone needs to say, sorry, that doesn't work for me. Because in a weird way, what you're saying there is, both WWE and AW, very differently, I hasten to yes. add, are both booking for an audience of one. WWE's far more affected by it. Yes. But AW, at the end of the day, like you say, people are like, all right, well, we'll just have a, we'll give this match a bit of time to breathe. And, and like, you know, we'll give, yeah, Cole and, like, I think Hamlet mentioned it on the review last week. Cole and Hardy could have told a story in that match. You and I may not be the biggest fans of, of you know, what they would have attempted to do regardless, but they could have told a story, but not if it's a match that at maximum has 10 minutes left on the show and you want to do an angle after it where Sting gets the crap beaten out of him, and you've got an ad break cutting his bollocks off as well. Like, Cole-Jeff Hardy is a cool match to have, despite the limitations of the performer. But I guarantee in six months' time, if you say to me, what was the main event of uh, Dynamite in, you know, a couple of weeks before Double or Nothing? Not a shot I'm remembering that. Basically, what we're saying, Tony, is if you're right now booking AEW, and you're an 11, maybe just be a... No! <laughs> I'm serious, though. He is more energetic, energetic than the normal human being. Yes. He needs to book these shows in a rhythm that the normal human being is more, like, able to grasp. Anyway, let's talk about Rampage. Uh, the show opened uh, with a, uh, yeah, squash, uh, destruction. Uh, it was Evil Uno 10 and Fuego del Sol teaming up to take on the House of Black. Bad idea. Bad idea from the beginning. Bad call, this, from Fuego. Um, and I think he realized it quite early on because he came in to be like, right, Malachi, we're having this. Oh, I've had my head taken yeah. off straight away. Um, there was Buddy Murphy coming in and he uh, got del Sol and did the old, Zero Miedo and hit him with an arm breaker to really hammer home the point. Um, Uno comes in, he gets double teamed uh, by Murphy and, uh, and and Malachi Black. Uh, Brody King goes for the Gonzo bomb on Uno, but Uno escapes and uh, King body blocked Del Sol out to the floor. 
Castleblack completely in control when we go to a break. When we come back, Del Sol fires back, hits Murphy with a Spanish fly. Ten gets the hot tag. Another weird week of booking for Ten, like that week when he just batted every security guy, basically. Yeah. He comes in and ra- runs wild. Uh, suplexes Black, clotheslines Brody King on the floor. Uh, gets Black up in this, like, wheelbarrow position, and Uno snaps his neck against the ropes, and then he gets German suplex. Really like that. That yeah, got near it was awesome. Um, goes for a full Nelson on Black, but Black gets out of it and goes for Ten's knee, uh, puts him in a knee bar. Uno has to make the save. Black gets rid of Uno. Ten hits this bonkers discus lariat on Malachi Black. Um, Uno and King gets the t- get the tags to come in. Uh, running boots from him, sets up for a powerbomb, but uh, I think he took a little bit too long admiring his work there, and King got out of the powerbomb with a backdrop. Del Sol tries to come in, so Murphy hits him with a double-arm DDT on the ramp. Black moonsaults from the top rope to the floor on 10, and King does get Uno eventually with the Gonzo bomb for the one, two, three. Um, let's talk about the match. We'll talk about the post-match in a second. Let's talk about the match. What did you think of it? Because I saw some people saying, ooh, should this match have gone so long? But I had a good time watching this. I had a good time watching it, but I also agree that it went too long. Yeah. And for two reasons as well. Like, some of the action was really, really cool. I think you've highlighted the absolute best bits, the DDT being my favorite spot, <laughs> I think. I love Malachi Black taking people down. It is the coolest thing because it makes you think that his opponent is in deep deep trouble, they can't escape, he can get you from lying down, essentially, and it doesn't really hurt. He is so good, Malachi Black. Like, when he's, his strikes are impossibly good in terms of how snug they look, how fast he can explode into them, and how obviously safe they are, but when he's doing takedowns and sweeps, it's like, you're knackered. He's mm. not actually dropping people on their heads or hitting them with plunder or anything that could be, like, really damaging to the pro wrestler. Malachi Black's great. My two flaws, my two problems with this match. One, I thought in and of itself, this match gave too much to Fuego Del Sol, particularly by the finish where Malachi Black was just getting... So I, didn't, I just thought, oh, he's getting his ass kicked here. Mm. I didn't think his career's going to end or anything stupid like that, Ryan Satin, but I did think <laughs> that, right, okay, it's a bit much now. Because it's one thing to tell the story if you want to do something with Fuego following it. I know they won't. It just felt like the the usual mm-hmm. common sense principle of giving people something to take with them into the next matches was a little bit abused slightly here. Yeah, I agree. And not only was it in and of itself a bit of an issue in terms of, oh, should they really be giving Fuego this much? They told kind of the exact same story with Dante Martin in the main event where I'm thinking... They selling a little bit too much for him as well. Mm. It's uh, it's kind of the roster bloat problem where you're kind of trying to give everybody something, but when you do that, you kind of detract and take something away from the people who you should be building the promotion around, and that is your stars. Yeah, I was, I felt a little so bit like that. Two similar story beats executed very well in and of themselves on the same night is still a little bit in dis- undisciplined. Yeah, and I, I I gave more allowance to it in the main event because it is Dante Martin, and I've you know seen him in battles, and, and you know he argue that he's learnt from those losses that he's had in the past. Fuego, I, I bought it less, and to the that was to the detriment of the House of Black for me because there was yes. elements in this match where I was like, bloody hell, if you know, like you see a team uh, football analogy, you see a team struggling against a you know uh, lower league opposition in the FA Cup, and you're like. Struggling with them, they're going to get battered when they yeah. face Chelsea at the weekend or whatever. Bit of that here, 
Um, so maybe it didn't need to go as long, but I had a good time watching it and, and the right team won. So I suppose that's all that really matters. Uh, we were laughing about this in the office earlier. Post-match outcome death triangle mm. onto the stage and the announcers are like, oh my God, what are they doing here? And there's something with a, with a, a drape over the top of it. And I went, Oh, cool, it's a tombstone. Yeah. And they were like, oh, my God, Death Triangle's here. What's that they've got? And they started pulling the drape off, and I went, it's a tombstone. And they pulled it off, and he said, it says double or nothing. It's going to be a tombstone with their names on it. But what, what is it? Rip it off. It's a tombstone, and it's got the House of Black's name on it. Yeah, yeah, I, I, but at least we've got the match, finally, for the pape on Sunday. Finally. I didn't hate this as a thing. Just a nice, unique visual way of conveying the match is happening, and we're going to kill you in it. It's all very simple, but, but theatrical, but, you know, very simple. You made a good point there, because it's not just isolated to this particular thing. I'm starting to get a little bit tired of the AEW commentary team for things such as this. They were so good at the start of, like, you always go back to the revolution thing. It's so good when they're like, did I that's the closest I've come to saying your word. I could almost get it out. Yeah, you could say it for that. You love to. I'm not going to say it. Oh, you can, you can say it. I'll give you permission. Deft. It was so deft. It was so, it was so wonderful. Did he just? Did I just see something? Oh, and, and so, I'm going to watch that again and then today. Barely even finished the thought because like, oh, oh shut up, that's an idiot. There in their heads thinking, no, nah, I didn't see that. But it was just enough. They're starting to take the piss with this a little bit. I was like, oh, is this something? <laughs> and it's like it's become their version of a bad commentary thing. Mm. Sorry, I went a bit Kalisto there. But you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> There's too much of a good thing. You can take the piss with good things, and they are starting to take the piss so on a general level with the commentary of, am I treating you with respect here, the viewer? <laughs> it's just a bit much. It's honestly a bit much for me. Yeah, I agree. Because when you do it too much, you kind of not. Because the more you point out these things, the more you're trying to point it out, the implication of that being, I'm thick. Mm. Never want to feel stupid watching wrestling, which is... Uh, Stupid hobby I chose. Uh, if that is why, why did I choose this hobby then? Yeah. But speaking of stupid idiots, um, a bunch of them came next, but we love them for oh, it. I love them. Uh, Lexi's interviewing um, Gun Club, Billy Gunn, uh, and Max Caster. No Anthony Bones, of course. He suffered an injury uh, after their match on Elevation, and they show a little clip of him going down. Um, and <laughs> credit to, to Colton, to Austin, and to Max here, and to Billy, I should say. What will we do, Father? Yes, Papa, what shall we do? <laughs> and Billy goes, well, son, and puts his arm round, checks notes, not Austin, not Colton, his other son, Max Caster. Yeah. Uh, and he says, all factions go through this kind of adversity, uh, but we're going to get through it. And uh, he shouts at Anthony Bones, who's watching at home, and they say, when you get home, there's going to be a big scissor party to celebrate your return. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Uh, awesome. I can't believe how much I like this. So bloody stupid, but great. Uh, and then FTR are backstage with Tony, um, and they accept the challenge from Rapongi Vice uh, for the match on Dynamite this week. Um, Cash pointing out that uh, they also would quite like to not only have all the tag titles that they've got now, which is the AAA in the Ring of Honor, I'm right in thinking? Yep. Yep. Uh, they also want the AEW and the IWGP Tag Team Championships, and I thought, probably all chance you guys winning it, lads, to be honest. Um and uh, Dax talks about, you know, taking this away from him, taking away from his family. Um, so the match is set for, for Dynamite. And FTR are going to win. Yes, they are going to win. Uh, Spoiler for the preview. Handily, they are going to win. Should be a really good match. Should be a really good match. 
quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Uh, next up, it was Sean Spears versus a giant. And that giant was revealed to be Big Damo off of WCPW. Yes. But also Killian Dane off of WWE. Uh, a nice uh, ex-WWE star surprise debut in AEW here. Um, Excalibur explains on commentary that no doubt MGF has picked Damo to put Spears through his paces ahead of uh, his match with, uh, with Wardlow on Dynamite this week. And uh, yeah... Look like, oh, well, he's not going to beat Damo, and he's definitely not going to beat Wardlow early on. Uh, Damo hit a great little body press on the floor. Sometimes the best wrestlers can make the simple stuff make really look really yeah. good. Like, I, I love mad flippy bollocks and, you know, spins and all that. But just a big bloke using his body as a human battering ram and a little guy just going on the yeah. floor. Sometimes that works for me, and that, that was exactly the case here. Um he uh, hits a slam out of a fireman's carry, hits a cannonball, and you think, uh-oh, Sean Spears in a bit of trouble. He might not even make it to Wednesday. But Damo misses the Vader bomb. Spears capitalizes, running knee, gets him up, gets him up for the C4, and yells to Wardlow that this basically is going to be his fate. Gets the one, two, three, and then gets on the mic afterwards, uh, saying that he's Wardlow's kryptonite, proving he's not Superman. Uh, and next week, it's not Spears stuck in a steel cage with Wardlow. It's Wardlow in a steel cage with nowhere to go with Sean Spears, the giant killer. I, I like the absurdity of Sean Spears being the giant killer. I do. Yes. Genuinely, I think that's really funny. I do think it's a good joke because he's going to get found out instantly in this cage, which is great because I don't take him seriously as a threat. If I look, I could look at this one of two ways, cynically and generously. I'm all the way in on this program. 
I kind of need to be all the way in on something in wrestling because it's kind of pissing me off at this moment in time. <laughs> I think the AEW double or nothing build has been mostly genuinely flat, disappointingly so. Um, but this is the this program's the rule proving exception, so I might be being generous towards it. But I still don't think Sean Spears is going to beat Wardlow or stand a chance. The only way this works, and they know this, is because MGF is a special guest referee. I think maybe it was a bad idea to go with this giant killer gimmick because Sean Spears would believe himself capable of beating Wardlow, whether he actually be uh, an analog for Wardlow giant or not. So I think this is a little bit unnecessary, maybe even a bit patronizing. Oh, maybe he doesn't need MJF's help. Obviously he does. Don't tell us that he doesn't. <laughs> There's two further reasons why I was a bit low on this. One. I don't need to see another random name brought in. Okay, I'm not being funny. If Big Demo, who are, who's working WCPW in particular, I rated. Mm. He was the absolute star of the best modern war games match ever, TakeOver 2017 mm-hmm. war games. So I'm not trying to bury Big Demo. At the same time, I could have completely done without him here, and mm. it was a waste of goddamn time. Um Maybe if Big Demo came in two years ago, be like, oh, right, okay, he could be a giant. Who cares? This is a waste of time. And the more you do, like, Johnny Elite, Big Demo, W. Morrissey, like, those are the most fashionable cults. Can't wait to see them names at the best of times, in and of themselves. But the more you do it consecutively, it's like, all right, okay, the, the, that's Jump the Shark. The bloomers off the rose for, like, new guys coming in especially this close to Forbidden Door. I'm not saying that when a card appears on Dynamite, so I'm going to get the hugest goddamn prep <laughs> you've ever heard in your life. But at the same time, anyone below the Okada tier, it won't feel as special as it used to mm. because of stuff like this. So that annoyed me. And I think your idea was better. Get Colin Delaney out. <laughs> like a giant. And like, have Sean... Spe- I'd take Sean Spears seriously. I would take him more seriously if... He was like really viciously beating up someone small to the point where pick on someone your own size. Yeah. That would be the way to play exactly. it for me. If they got stunt back in or Colin Delaney or... Colin Delaney with a top knot. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That would have been incredible. Dressing like Wardlow. Yeah, that would have been incredible. Or ringing up every promoter because you collaborate with every promoter or you know every promoter and say, I want the skinniest little dickhead possible in your training school. No, no, he's got he's got a little bit flab. I, I want like a, Phil, Phil Chambers esque. Yeah, I want a Phil Chambers bone thin <laughs> little geek to be the giant. Like I think that it's a little bit patronizing this to be honest. Having said that, I've been climbing with Phil Chambers and that boy is deceptively strong. <laughs> he's like I was I like, didn't look at he looks like a pube. Yeah, but he's, he's he looks like a very hip, low key handsome Pube. Yeah, there's no, there's no waste. Pubic hair. There's no wasted muscle on Phil. I remember we went climbing, and uh, I used to go climbing like when I was younger all the time, every week with my dad. So I was like, oh, you never lose a deer. It's like riding a bike. And I was like, oh. And this was before lockdown. Even then, I was like, Ugh, I need to kind of watch what I've been eating. Here. <laughs> yeah. I was like, you know, trying to pull yourself up with using your arms. And he'd be like, yeah, all you need to do is ju- go there, go there, and then just, just spider monkey up this last bit like, and just pull yourself up with two fingers. And I was like. Phil, I can't pull myself up with two arms, mate, let alone. So, yeah, watch out for that boy. But, yes, I, I completely get your point. He's of, much fitter than I am, but, yeah. you know, he's still small. <laughs> right. Um, we go backstage with the elite, um, and they're, they're saying thanks to Cutler. He's, he's done it 
well for once. Um, and Adam Cole puts over Kyle O'Reilly, not just for, for winning his match and getting through to the... He's through to the semis, and he's still got to beat Joe. Joe, yeah. Um, but doing what he did to Ray Phoenix and laying out Sting. Uh, and how good would it be to see to Kyle O'Reilly versus Adam Cole in the finals? And, what is uh, Seen enough of that. <laughs> Why would Tony Khan do this? I feel that everyone got sick of um, before NXT completely officially was unrecoverable as black and gold. Let's run that back on our pay per view. What? To be honest, I think he's lost the plot. I don't want to say this out loud because, like, I don't, I'm trying to bargain with the fact that oh, it's just one bad pay per view build. The company's not in trouble. He's, he's lost it. Mm. I am hoping that they will do everything that. They should have done correctly in, in NXT, but we'll, we'll wait and see. Um, I'll take any opportunity for a flex on this is what you should have done. Yes. I don't necessarily want to... They did it with Tay, Tay Conti, didn't they? They did that a while back. With Santana Garrett, yeah. yeah. Here's what you should have done. Yeah, um, yeah oh, Carlo Riley jokes about a finger poke of doom on the pay-per-view. Uh, says it's going to be an honour to face Adam Cole. And the books point out that, oh, no, it's Tardy's. Now your schedule's... Pretty freed up now. We've effectively cost you this tournament. Um, so how about we have a super kick party at Double or Nothing and give the fans what they want? We are getting the Young Bucks versus the Hardys at the Pape. <sighs> the Young Bucks have got their work cut out for them to deliver a match on pay-per-view, no less, to Young Bucks standard. Mm, I agree. I'm excited for it, though. I've got trust in them. I'm not excited. I'm scared. <laughs> I, w- I want the first five minutes to happen. It's like, oh, God, it's actually not a exactly. disaster. That's what I want to happen. It's one of those things I can't get excited about this. Do you ever have one of those things? I have this often with stag do's where I worry, 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 even worry during the stag do, even if it's not mine. Yeah. And then afterwards I go, oh, I remember that stag do. That was great. That's how I feel about this match. I, yeah. want it to, I want it to have already happened so I can go back and go, no one died. Yeah, no, and no. It was actually no I have terrible. the exact same thing. I have the absolute exact same thing. Like, I... I think even before Rona, where it was like, we're in that phase now where it's like, if you pap or someone close with your paps, you're like, ah, yeah. Because, like, oh my God, like the next seven days or out the window. And what if something rapidly, like, well, some great, greatly important was coming up yes. in those seven days? So, like, I can't get excited for anything in case, oh, like, case in point, when I had it. I was going out with the lads on the Saturday and I popped on the Monday. Oh. I was like, All right, okay, of course, of course, this is going to happen. But even before then, I would never get like, oh, going out with the lads on a week on Friday. I'm like, I'm buzzing for this, I'm buzzing for this, I'm buzzing for this. I always just have this thing where it's like, that's ah, something might not end up happening or something. I have this weird thing where I can't look no, for I'm, stuff. No, I'm exactly the same. I got COVID in February. So by all accounts, I should have been or should be immune till probably about now. <laughs> no, um, but... I couldn't get excited about going to WrestleMania until I was basically on the flight to WrestleMania because yeah, yeah, yeah. there was like... Just in case. Just like, you know, things can change anyway. Then we had to do the test that you have to take 24 hours on camera with someone. So you... Not that anyone should, but in theory, you can't even be like, oh, no, that was a mistake. I'll take a second one or whatever. There is on camera. And then I was like, and they could still just say no flights to America anymore. WrestleMania is not happening or yeah. anything like that. It's such a weird dynamic, but I completely can... Uh, can get where you're coming from with this. It's a nice little therapy session for the yeah. members. We can't look forward to anything. No. Is that uh, what life's for as well? Let's cheer ourselves up by talking about a really enjoyable match from the Owen Hart Yes, Cup. It was uh, Red Velvet versus Chris Statlander, Ruby Soho on the commentary team. Um, and yeah, it was just very early on, in fact, that the move that everyone has, has talked about and, and the, the, the image that has been shared everywhere, press slamming Velvet out of the corner and they were already impressed with that on commentary. And then when she switched to one arm and flexed, 
who was like, well, Chris Statlander's back. That's that's how I felt, because yeah. I've been a bit like, oh, cool, you've got a new version of yourself, I'm still a bit, eh. And then they did that, and I was like, cool, yeah. I'm into this immediately yeah. now. Um, Velvet goes for a head scissors, but Statlander, again, it's all about her power in this match, sends her to the floor. She goes for a sliding drop kick, but Velvet pulls up the ring skirt and wraps her in it and allows her to sort of batter her for a bit in there. Um, but she gets out and slams uh, Velvet on the ring apron. Um it's a bit of a cursed title, this, but at this point, Jericho named Red, Red Velvet his Sports Entertainer of the Week. I can't remember a sports entertainer that has been given this award whilst wrestling on Rampage and has gone on to win. It's a good little runner. It's a good like, runner. Uh, he gave it to himself, it. but he wasn't wrestling. Yeah. He, gave, he definitely gave it to Butcher and the Blade in that match the and other they week. Lost. They lost. So it's just, hey, the sports entertainer, and then they it's lose a, at the wrestling. It's a really cute in-joke about how Vincent Mann's not being able to pick the right star for yes. quite some time. It's a nice touch. Um, German suplex from Statlander gets a near fall, but uh, as she goes for another suplex, Velvet escapes and goes for a knee. She hits the final slice on Statlander. That gets a two count. Statlander fights back, though, and hits a blue thunder bomb. Velvet goes for the hook kick, but Statlander catches it. She goes for her finish, which used to be Big Bang Theory. Now is apparently called the Saturday Night Fever. Uh-huh. No idea. Um, Velvet counters that into a roll-up, but Statlander reverses that and gets the pinfall victory. But post-match, the baddies attack Statlander, and Ruby Soho uh, goes to make the save. She gets laid out by Jay Cargill, and then Anna Jay runs in and snatches up uh, Smart Mark Sterling's crutch to clear the ring. Yeah, and Anna Jay versus Jay Cargill's happening at the pape. What? When? Why? I haven't seen Anna Jay on telly in ages. Maybe she's beaten eight complete no marks on Dark Elevation. Mm. At least they usually, when they do this tactic of, oh, they're having a match for the title, they've been working elevation and racking up wins. Yeah. Here's them winning on dynamite to make it like sort of proof. Proof that they're good. Exactly. Not like this great sort of, it's like, what's the word I'm looking for here? Like the cross the T's and dot their eyes or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's something that's hit my tongue I can't think of, but it's like, it's just our oh, proof evidence. See, they are good. We saw it with. Um, Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland on last week's Dynamite, where they beat the Worker Horsemen in like a minute and a half. It's like, right, this this is their last win to get into the top five. I thought, was that first? I thought it was the first. Yeah. Because it's <laughs> dark elevation. I was like, nice to see back them back in the ring. At least. No, I've been doing it loads. What? Yeah, at least they do that one Dynamite Rampage match. Anna Jay hasn't had this. No. It's, it's, just, it's just crap. It's just crap. It's just crap. There's a lot of crap things happening in this company. And they're really starting to piss me off how crap they can sometimes be and how much they can take the piss. Don't want to get in a bad mood because I really thought this match over-delivered big time. My TLDR succinct take is, this was much better than I thought it was going to be. Yep. I really, really liked it. And yet, it still wasn't quite as it thought it was, quite as good as it thought it was, because there was a bit of oh my god, kicked out of my goddamn signature. Yeah, like NXT stuff at the finish. I'm thinking, oh, if you just not did that mm-hmm. at the end, I would have thought what an absolute unqualified success this match was. But then they kind of because they showed you how good it was throughout. And then they told you at the end, to, oh, just show us. I was, yeah, I was you loving, were so close. I was loving being shown how good this match was. And Red Velvet has got oodles of potential in either role. Um, and again, this was quite similar in structure and work, but this is better. Obviously, it's AEW default better than the, <laughs> than the uh, Raquel Rodriguez um, Shotzi match. Yeah. There were so many moments where I thought Red Velvet is absolutely knackered, 
oh, she's ruled through at the last second. Mm. Yeah, there was one, I can't remember what they were going for, but I remember her flipping through into something that yeah. was really good. Like I, just When you time a great counter spot like that, particularly when you've got like a strength versus like more agile, slippery, faster wrestler, it always just looks so awesome. And there were so many moments in this match where like I just thought this was great. Red Velvet's got a dragon screw that made Chris Jericho pop and that's my favorite thing on Rampage when Chris Jericho pops because this is a guy who's seen it all before. He's been in the industry for like however many years. When he audibly gets hyped over a yes. move, you know it has to be awesome. And it's infectious and he's got the authority. And if you didn't feel it, he never says it when I don't feel it as well. No. He never goes, oh, that was an awesome move. Where I'm like, oh, hi, Jericho, you're trying to sell us some like uh, magic beans here, lad. Mm. He always says it when something legitimately cool happens, and I hope he never starts to realize that this works to get something over and take the piss with it. Mm. Uh, got a great training video next. Huckhausen uh, and Tony Nese and Mark Sterling are all training. Huck and Tony Nese are just beasts doing all the insane you know, training montage stuff, whilst uh, Mark Sterling constantly sells his neck and tries to get out of stuff. Yeah. Can barely you know run up a flight of stairs. And uh, Dan Housen struggles to do one push-up. He just sort of hangs there. Um, but this was a, a lovely little touch. A lovely little touch. And when Dan Housen does a Canadian Destroyer, it's going to be amazing. Oh, my God. Also, shout-out to uh, uh, Dylan Postal, a.k.a. Hornswoggle, who uh, found the counter for Dan Housen's curse. A mirror yes. over the weekend. Great stuff, that. Right, let's talk about this Men of the Year segment. Uh, they're in the ring. Oh, God. Ethan Page. Uh Formerly, who do we say now has got the tiniest tits in the game? Wardlow. He popped Wardlow, his tits, yeah, yeah. He popped those titties. Ethan Page, but certainly some of the tiniest tits in the game. Um, says, look, bad things happen when people cross the men of the year and ATT. Just ask the inner circle. Well, I say to ask, but say to ask them, but they don't exist anymore. And there was, I'm not sure if he said something, or there was just a noise from Jericho that yeah. popped me here. Um, he says, uh, but better yet, see what happened when we exposed Sammy and Tay as the real-life pieces of shiz that they are. Uh, this guy gets on the mic and says, I didn't come out of here to talk. Uh, Sammy, come out with my belt or I'll bury you like I buried SCU. And the camera cuts to the parking lot, whereas there's uh, Tay Conti and Sammy Guevara with the uh, with the belt. and, a, and a, One of the belts. One of the belts, a sledgehammer. And he says... You're going to give me, a, give me a title shot? And Dan Lambert says no. So Sammy hammers the title um, and the TNT bit shatters off of it. And then he keeps battering it with a hammer. And then in comes Kazarian, who tells Sammy to shut up. That's why everyone hates him. Uh, and says, oh, here's, here's what I want, should have done to you, Scorpio Sky. And he batters it. And uh, in the midst of all this, Sammy and Tay are getting off with each other. And it concludes with Sammy telling... Um, now, whether saying to to the American top team leader, now whether you know whether you like it or not, Dan Lambert, this match is happening. I've never hated anything more in this promotion than this stuff. I actively think it is so so bad. It gets worse every week, and every single time I watch it, I mourn for the soul of the promotion that I fell in love with in 2019 and early 2020, and I thought it was great last year. This year. There are so many moments and there are so many developments where I think, is it gone? Like, seriously, I, I don't want to think this. And I know people get bummed out on the podcast because maybe I'm the low guy on it. I don't think anyone likes this. No. This is so bad that I can't help but feel that this this might signal the beginning of the end. I know that's incredibly hyperbolic. Don't put it on the bullet 
podcast. No, 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 no. I don't want to be conflated with a, like, dickhead podcaster who just tries to say things for engagement. This, so I guess what I'm trying to say is, it's obviously not the end of the run of the promotion. I'll do something in two years that I'm going to go mad for. I've got no doubt. This, however, is worryingly bad. Worryingly bad. Whenever something is approached being this bad, instantly we just get scrapped. Inst- like Nightmare Collective got scrapped. The Dark Order versus the Elite Angle. Great in 2021, in 2019. Rubbish. Scrap it. Scrap it. Do something, anything else. Teleporting Hardy. Nah, we're not doing yeah, that anymore. Yeah, we're not doing anything that anymore. This, they're still doing it, and it gets worse every single week. I don't know who I'm cheering for. Nope. I don't know who's turned how many times. There's another belt. There's another belt. So destroying this belt. Who cares? There's another belt. Well, this is what I was going to say, right? Because the the legacy, not to do the whole gimmick, the legacy of the TNT Championship is intrinsically tied to people destroying the belt. Brody Lee is the most obvious example, of course, of all this. And that was so sensational when it happened. It was so seismic. I remember because that was the weekend where I think Dynamite was the Saturday. It was Saturday night and there was Dynamite. a takeover and I was sat up waiting, waiting for the takeover. And I don't remember if I was watching Dynamite or whatever it was live. But I was just, you know, scrolling through social media going, oh, I need breaking news before the takeover or whatever. And all it was was like, holy, what's just happened here? Cody yeah. belt emptied onto him, et cetera, et cetera. Great stuff. And then like... Yeah, you you know, Miro gets the cool, you know, the Bulgarian belt, and then Sammy gets this belt, and then the interim bollocks, which I don't even talk about. But like you say, it was meant to be like this. Oh, my God, he's destroyed the belt. And I, it's very rare that we do this. I'm going to draw a comparison to something that happened in WWE. Because on SmackDown, Happy Corbin destroyed the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Trophy, trophy thing. And I felt more for that of like, oh no, the Andre the Giant yeah. trophy. That I saw the TNT title thing and went, well, that's fine. They've got about six more than yeah, just a new know, one. So what's it matter? It was just, yeah. And that's putting to one side everything you've mentioned there about like, who am I cheering for? Why it's should I even care? Alarmingly, alarmingly piss poor, this. Yeah, bad stuff. Um, but then we got a, a backstage interview with Britt Baker and Tony Storm. Britt says, big match next week. Can you handle the pressure, Tony? Uh, and Storm says, mm, well, can you? Because if there's any funny business, you know, can you get the job done without your mates being at ringside? Because I'll tell you right now, if there's any funny business in our match, I'll rearrange your teeth and become your DMD. Good shot back, this, from Tony Storm. Yeah, absolutely. If you don't hand her a microphone in front of a live crowd and give her minutes to deliver written material, which she has to rehearse, she's actually very serviceable as a promo. I've seen... Tony Storm disasters, mm, like yeah. disasters on the mic. But this is absolutely the way to have her um, advance her stories. And hopefully the more um, comfortable she gets doing this kind of thing, get her out in front of the arena. She can really evolve into a good promo, I hope. Caveat before this main event. I really, I've met Matt Seidel. He's a lovely bloke. I've chatted to him. Uh, I'm a big fan of him in ring. I think Dante Martin is sensational. He's going to be one of, uh, one of the biggest stars in wrestling in the next five years. But this might be my favorite Mark Henry interview because at the end of it, I went, <laughs> yeah, squash those pews. Yeah, yeah. So they do the, the, the side-to-side interview, and uh, Dante Martin's talking about, he wants to go out there and get a big win, and he's a full, you know, white meat peace, baby love face. and wrestling. Yes, Matt Just Seidel. basically saying peace and violence, but pick one. Uh, Seidel wanted peace, love, and pro wrestling. And uh, it's like, it's not even a red rag to a bull. It, I'll tell you what it is. It's a shark with blood in the water. They cut to Danielson, he's like, love, peace, me. 
also love fucking smashing yeah. dudes' heads in. And Mox, you don't see Moxie. Uh, Moxie just turned around. And such a weird dynamic that he has with Danielson. It's so brilliant. This is what makes Blackpool Combat Club so good. Where even he's like, you just say peace, love, and pro wrestling. What a knobhead. Yeah. And just says, abandon all hope. And I was like, yes. Yes. Kill them, boys. And then... This one had uh, William Regal on commentary as well with a few jibes uh, between him and Jericho. Jake, shirtless Jake Hager just standing behind them all on commentary to keep the peace or save Jericho from any more attacks, which, good, that makes sense that they've learned from that. Um, early on, Moxley and Danielson just go, yeah, you know what we said we were going to do? We're going to do that to you right now, to Dante Martin. He gets battered. Uh, Moxley, though, missed a charge. Seidel came in. He got a near fall on Moxley. Uh, got another one uh, off, off of that. Got one off a of cradle there, and then got another one with a standing moonsault. Um, I'm not sure when this was, but I do want to mention it. Uh, at, at one point, there was a bit with Moxley and Seidel that I just thought was so good, and this is why I really like the John Moxley character. Seidel is not as big as John Moxley. So he went to chop him down by using leg kicks that are very, very effective in, in MMA. Uh, yeah, this is awesome. Kicks his leg. And Moxley's like, what? Like, checking his leg? Yeah. Is that what he did? Yeah, exactly. Does it again. And he's like, stop doing that. But I don't care because it doesn't bother me. And he's like, come on. Do, actually, do it one more time. Do it again. Does it again, and Moxie's no selling. And there's a tiny bit in your brain of like, oh, don't make Matt Sidell look like a dick. Like, he's got some powerful offense. And just as I think that, Sidell kicks him in the head, and Moxley goes, oh, bloody hell, I wasn't yeah, ready yeah. for that, and just goes down. I thought it was really good. I can't remember where it was in the, in the order of this match, but I wanted to mention it. Um, Sidell gets sent to the outside, and Danielson hit comes off the apron with a running knee strike to take us to a break. And we come back, in comes Dante Martin, he gets the hot tag. Was this the point where he did that mad dive that was like, normally this should be a flip here, and he just sort of jumped yeah, in the air. Yeah, it was unbelievable. He jumped in the air. Like, if I said... If I say jumped over the top rope, that implies like a nice look, sort of rainbow. If you're going to draw a line, yeah, it was like he went up sideways and then down. Yeah, I don't know how he's done this at all. We talk about the hang time that he gets, but honestly, it's gravity defying sometimes what Dante Martin does. It was like a cross body where usually you need the rope to do the arc, mm. the top turnbuckle. You just did it. <laughs> it's just. It's it's the best. Can he fly? And he's just not telling. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, um, got Danielson up with a crossbody following that uh, for another near fall. Uh, Seidel gets caught in a choke by Moxley. Uh, and Danielson gets a uh, double underho underhook superplex on Dante Martin that looks sweet from the top rope. He immediately floats over because he's the best wrestler uh, into a label lock. And you think, oh, Dante Martin's going to have to submit here. And Jericho's doing some great bit on commentary of like, you know, this isn't the, you know, you're a young wrestler. Just get out of there before you get serious neck injuries. And he almost gets to the rope. And then Danielson and he takes the arm yeah. that was about to get to the rope, puts him in a sort of rings of satin. Uh, and then... Martin gets his foot on the ropes and Danielson's like, well, guess it's more torture for you and just does this series of kicks that he often does to the head and chest. They go for a double, double team on uh, Dante Martin, Moxley and Danielson, that is. Seidel breaks it up. There's a double team drop kick from the two of them. Seidel hits a Meteora on Danielson on the ring apron and Martin hits this mad moonsault on Moxley uh, where he bounces off the ropes that he does on him for a near fall. 
Um, he escapes the paradigm shift as Moxley goes for it. Goes for a poison run off the ropes. Uh, Moxley puts him in a choke. Um, Martin uses the turnbuckle to escape that and get him in a cradle so that Moxley has to relief it, uh, release it. Comes off the top with a drop kick, but Moxley catches him, hits him with a pile driver, two count. Fine, traps him, does the brilliant elbow, just constantly, just kill him, basically. Um, and in the midst of that, Danielson, just to you know, be honest, on the same page as his partner, chokes out Seidel, and then Moxley gets Martin up. Death Rider, one, two, three, a victory for the Blackpool Combat Club. Uh, and I'll just quickly mention what happened afterwards before we get your thoughts, Sige. Uh, post-match, Jericho Appreciation Society come down for a big brawl, and uh, Excalibur, you know, yells about us running out of time. And I thought, oh, please don't show me Danielson getting his leg trapped, because I really don't want to see that. And, uh, yeah, we got off air with just a big brawl, basically. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just on the Danielson leg trap, uh, once, it's happened once, no, it can never happen again. It can never happen again. Um, hopefully it's a freak accident where they've not realised that the ramp got dislodged from the ring through how many bumps were taken mm-hmm. and the activity. So hope once, it's fine. I don't think it's worth a Ferrari over AEW. No. like reckless regard yeah. for people's self being now like, uh, well-being now like that. This match um, was... Excellent in some ways, and maybe a little bit too much in others. Like, I would not have had, personally, Dante Martin at this stage of his career, this close to a pay-per-view, fight out of the LaBelle lock Mm. as he did. Um, You know when people say so often to the point where it's like, oh, well, how much does that actually fucking matter? That person got too much, or he shouldn't have given them that much, should not have given them that much. When does it ever matter? Mm. When do you ever start to think differently about the pro wrestler who's the established star giving somebody too much? I remember the Ryan Satin Kenny Omega thing. It's like, mate, they've got, <laughs> they've got 30, literally 31% of the roster in an empty gym. Literally everyone watching this knows it's bittersweet. They are affording everything some latitude. They don't want to see this match happen so soon. They don't want to see this person go against a jobber because they're not far above it themselves. All of these QT Marshall gym tapings, I remember the conversation. I was like, oh, hey, what, what, <laughs> what else do you want them to do? They've got 30% of the roster. I think they did an incredible job yeah. throughout those tapings. But it was the Kenny, uh, Kenny Omega, Alan Angel's deal where it's like six minutes. It's like, oh, give him too much. I said, like, what? Do you want them to do? <laughs> you cannot be working 20-minute 20, 20 matches every single show because they're all being taped in one day. So we kind of, they want to start, just fuck off. It was so annoying. I never thought any differently of Kenny Omega for giving Alan Angels a bit more offense than he would in any of the normal circumstances. Yeah. And I struggle to think of, well, I think less of that wrestler for giving him too much. I genuinely felt it with Brian Danielson watching this episode of Rampage. Really? Genuinely. I never usually feel like it. I feel like everything's so... Desperate to criticise him because he's automatically in AEW, therefore he's deserving criticism or whatever. I never usually think this, ever. And I'm thinking, watching this, Danielson's given him too much this close to a pay-per-view. And not only that, Danielson's given him too much when you've just told the story of when you get enough from the combat club, you really earn their respect. This was virgin on, well, he should get recruited on this basis. Mm. And you know what? Maybe he will in the next three or four or five weeks after Double or Nothing. And maybe I will look like an idiot or it will endorse the genius of this match. But I just think from a character perspective, from a story perspective, from an aura perspective, 
this match was almost too good and too competitive for its own good because mm. it was electrifying oh, yeah. towards the end. Structurally, if you were telling the story of getting Dante Martin over, this was awesome. The structure of what Danielson and Moxley are doing as part of the combat club is literally ingenious in terms of their grasp of crowd psychology and how to just get the crowd to react to cold wrestlers as and when they like with a conductor's battle. Yeah. It's wonderful. This didn't really make sense in the context of the overarching Blackpool Combat Club story, which has kind of been lost now because the hate Jericho for some reason. I know they like wrestling and all the rest of it and not sports entertainment. I get it. Being facetious. But surely they would recruit Dante Martin from a performance mm. this good, and they didn't. This kind of was a rare misstep for me, even though I like the match in and of itself. Yeah, I'm inclined to agree with you there. I'm hoping that they do go down that route because then that would be a nice sort of... It would make retrospective sense in this match, yeah. which otherwise felt too much at times like an excuse to put someone over and get someone over, which is what you should do. But again, the, co- the, the theme of this podcast is extremes on either direction are bad. Exactly. Uh, well, let us know your thoughts on AEW Rampage on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Watch they can follow both of us. You can follow Michael Sidgwick at M. Sidgwick. Don't forget to buy his brilliant book, Becoming Holy, The Rise of AEW on Amazon right now. You can follow me on Twitter at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at WhatCultureWWE, as I said. Uh, and make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from. For daily wrestling podcasts, the SmackDown Review is available right now and we'll be back later on today to look ahead to Monday Now Raw. But for now, this is being rampage, baby. <laughs> my thanks to Michael Sidgwick. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you soon. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.